If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome back to Come Along Pond, the Doctor Who podcast, the gayest Doctor Who podcast to ever exist. Oh yeah. It's your regular hosts, it's me, it's Elliot, and I'm joined as always by... Damla, raging bisexual. The ragiest. The ragiest bisexual. I'm doing good, pal. How are you? You doing good, yeah? Yeah, yeah, not too bad, thanks, not too bad. Do you know what? I feel like at the moment, the world is just going a bit mad, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. The end. The end is upon us. The end is nigh, but the moment has been prepared for because you're listening Fair to this problem. podcast, that's hopefully <laughs> going to give you some joy. Except it's not because this episode is really sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're feeling sad about the state of the world, don't listen to this. Just I don't. Do, but yeah, listen to our end of the world pod because that's a fun one. Yeah, listen to any of the other fun ones except for this. Except for this. Guys, seriously, don't. Or listen to news. Oh, I did it. Segway. Oh, segway. We love a segway. We love a news segway. Satellite 5. We are the news. So, what's news with you? (laughs) 
<laughs> I die, I die. So in news, I would say the most, the most the thing that's actually it went a little bit crazy online, right? With Ryan Gosling mm-hmm. wearing the t-shirt. Inc- I'm incredibly confused on several levels about how <laughs> in general famous. Well, yes, yeah, and confused about how famous A-list actor Ryan Gosling. It is buying bootleg Doctor Who merchandise. Right, so here's the situation. I'm going to give some context for the people who don't know. So I also don't know. Yes. So there's a Barbie film being made by Greta Gerwig, who is my queen. Let me just put that out there. I do have a Ladybird tattoo, but that's a different story for another day. Um, she's making a Barbie movie. And, Saoirse Ronan better be in it. And Saoirse Ronan is probably going to be in it, which would be iconic. Um... And uh, Ryan Gosling is playing Ken, Margot Robbie is playing Barbie, and Shooty is playing another version of Ken. So that's how they know each other. And then somehow, we don't know how, Ryan Gosling got a bootleg fake merch using someone's stolen artwork online of Shooty's Doctor Who poster or whatever. And from what I understand, I think, from what I've seen, that they're... They now have ownership of their work, and it's all been rectified, and all of that. So we'll leave their profile in the show in in the show notes for Twitter. So if you want to go have a look, yeah, because they've been really active on Twitter. Right? They sort of actually have been following it mostly through their eyes. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's all good. Everything's been sorted. It was a bit of a situation, but it's been sorted. The fu- the funniest part about that is, and I don't know if you've seen, is the continuing Ross T Davis posts where he's pretending that it's an elaborate plan just to get Ryan Gosling to take his shirt off. It, no, it probably is. Speaking of Russell, I'm segueing now. Look at me. Hey. Um, he did an interview in Doctor Who magazine. And Elliot, do you want to read a snippet from... I will, I will read the snippet and I won't do the Russell T. Davis voice. Thank God. Russell has said... A mysteriously forgotten excursion to the TARDIS in between Planet of the Ood and the Sontaran Stratum may be a multiverse thing. With all the rage these days, maybe this is the Doctor and Donna from Universe 557, all set to collide with our own. Then again, maybe, just maybe, this return is so impossible that it's actually an intricate illusion created by an old enemy of the Doctor's, or maybe an old enemy of Donna's, Neris. Of course, I wouldn't give this away in the pages of DWM, would I? But then again, the magazine is the first place I ever revealed the name of Billy Piper's Rose in issue 340. So read carefully. There are truths in here. If anyone cracks the code, give us a shout. Send us an email because I don't know. I've looked at it. I, look, I'm right, guys. I'm a Taylor Swift fan. So I'm not, you know, I'm not, not familiar with an Easter egg at this point. But even this has stumped me. Like, I've looked, I've looked, I've scoured, and I've not come to any conclusion. Um... Another bit of news. God, news, God. news, news, news. We love it. The big bit of news with a capital N is that Sagan Akinola uh, is leaving Doctor Who as the composer. Um, see, Murray Gold has composed all the music from Rose right up until uh, is it Twice Upon a Time? Whatever the whatever Capaldi's last episode is. He composed up to Clara's last episode. Not so what's, who, anything beyond that, because I, so, I, was, I was on Spotify the other day listening to Doctor Who soundtracks. No, they've just not released the soundtracks. Oh! Uh, oh, like, hell! Why? I don't know, yeah, because I'm pretty sure... Because I, I remember this. This is completely irrelevant, but I remember this because um, I when I watched 
the when I watched the show, when I watched like Capaldi's series properly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I wanted to stream the song that plays during um, Capaldi actually takes River song and they go to um, you know like the mountains oh, yeah, that yeah, sing. Yeah. Uh, um, like, that's it and they have really nice music that plays but yes um, yes but yeah oh that, I know oh yeah streamable. yeah yeah uh, I, this is a discourse in fandom I remember now because people are like when are you releasing the tracks so yeah so, Mar- so Murray Gold composed all the music from Rose all the way up until Capaldi's last episode and then Sagan took over and has done all the music for Chris Chibnall and similar to how Chibnall and Jodie Whittaker have spoken about it he said that he only intended to stay as long as they were staying uh, and he's leaving and he announced it on Twitter and I think a couple of other places that the centenary special will be his last composing job for Doctor Who which I don't know how do you feel about that and how do you feel about I mean, Sagan's I'll, music um, I mean I'll be honest with you and this is not to sound harsh or critical because composing is really flipping difficult and I really admire it as an art form and as... Is vocation the right word? I don't know. Yeah, job. A job. I It's one of my favourite aspects that I have no interest in getting into myself, but I very, very much like... I, I, love, a, I love a score, I love a soundtrack. However, I've not actually actively... Because is that out? Is that stuff out? Yeah, yeah. I've not had any, any, any notion or feeling to go and listen to any of it. Like, even some of the stuff Murray did for, like, 12th Doctor's era, which, again, isn't my favourite era of all time, but some of the tracks are still absolutely amazing and I want to listen to them. Uh, I don't know. I think... I know that, that's making it sound like I'm saying that he's bad. That's not what I'm saying. It's just... I say it, I'm not, like, heartbroken. Like, when I found out Murray was leaving, I was like... So the backbone of the show is going, basically. Yeah, I don't think I don't think Sagan Ekinola is a bad composer. I think Sagan Ekinola is a poorly utilised composer. Exactly. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. Yeah. So, of course, the big question is, who who do you think they would get to replace Sagan Ekinola? Or who would you like, if you could, if you could dreamcast somebody to then replace Sagan Ekinola, who would it be? Um, I think... Ben Foster is going to probably be the most likely candidate because he's done some Doctor Who. He's mm. done the proms and stuff like that. He did Tortured as well. Oh, right. Okay, because I've not heard of him, but yeah. I, I seem to roughly agree with the sentiment that for the 60th anniversary, it might be Murray Gold, um, which I would be fine with, especially because Russell still works with Murray Gold. Other than that, I have no real opinion. I don't know enough about TV composers. Lots of people seem to want the guy who did class to do it. <clears throat> oh yeah, class. no, that's a good shout. That is a good shout, actually. Yeah, so I've I not forget seen their it. name, um, but I know that because I've seen class and um, uh, and I actually quite like the score for class. I think it's actually quite good. I do think having a new per- person on would actually be really interesting, and I just I, I feel like it's really good to give new people opportunities as well, like for everything and anything. Yeah, like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. Pining for it to be Murray, because I think whoever Russell works with will be good. But I have no problem with it being Murray Gold, because I yeah, just same, they'll, same. they'll work together really well. Well, speaking of Russell, pal, mm-hmm. Russell accepted an award the other day <laughs> yeah. for It's a Sin, and kind of just ate up the stage, really, and I was here for it. Oh, I love him so much. My favourite two passages were... 
I know I'm speaking to the converted because there are Tory voters in this room. There's money in this room. That means there's Tory voters, uh, e. which is iconic. And yeah, and then just signed off with the reminder that you're voting for murders, bastards, abusers, and liars. Where's the lie? I love. I, I don't know. I like. You know. I know that broad, broadly, sort of. You know. You think of TV land and film people as being a bit sort of socially left wing, but it's why I've always loved Doctor because they all hate Tories. I just think I was saying to you before we recorded that it's a really bad week to be a right wing Doctor Who fan, but also it always has been. So what are you doing? Yeah, yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? It's like it's been a bad like sixty years to be a right wing Doctor Who fan. Yeah, literally, literally. Yeah. The show has always hated you and your fascist yeah. ideology. I think that's it, guys. I think that's it. So without further ado, get the tissues ready. Let's get into it. F- fling your vases in the air. And watch where yeah. you're going, because we're swerving in. Yeah. Just cut to the cut to the review. Flipping out. She's an egg. She's an egg. Okay, I got I got another another little joke for you because I, Damler, yeah, um, I went out this morning. Uh, I bought Rusty Davis a card. Do you know why? Why? Because it's Father's <laughs> Day. <laughs> it's too good. It's too good. Yes, it's Father's Day. We are talking about Father's Day, which was broadcast on the fourteenth of May, two thousand five. It was directed by Joe Hearn, who has directed one before, I'm pretty sure. We've talked about Joe Ahern already. Uh, and it was written by Paul Cornell. Um, I think the second Wilderness Years writer who wrote books and other expanded media next to um, the guy who wrote Dalek to come back and write for the new show. Of course, Paul, ne- Paul Cornell goes on only to write two other stories. Series three's Human Nature, Family of Blood. And here's the thing. Bring back Paul, Con- Paul Cornell. That's what I'm going to tell you right now. Because literally just incredible writing, like absolutely incredible. Mm. Well, I mean, I mean, pal, I mean, we know what IMDb thinks this episode's about. We know what Google says it's about. But do you know what? Here's the gag. I want to know what you think it's about. It's a little segment we like to do on this podcast, if you're not familiar. We like to explain in our own way what we think the episode is about. So, pal, take it away. What do you think? I think, I think that I'm going to be uh, serious for once. Because if there's an episode with levity that deserves kind of, you know, something actually proper to be said about it, it's this one. Yes, yes. Uh, and I, it's, a, it's a, a beautiful story about uh, a girl who sort of actually isn't as mature as she thinks she is. And within the space of a couple of hours loses both important father figures in her life. Oh, wow. Mm. I've got a chill. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that'll be... I think the window's open. What do you think it's about? What do you think it's about? Come on. It's about... See, here's the thing. I'm going to 
this is this is difficult because this episode means a lot to me. It really does, mm-hmm. and I love it for a lot of flipping reasons, of which we're about to get into. This is going to be a lengthy record. I can tell you that right now. Yeah, I think this episode is about the importance of storytelling, and what I mean by that is when you lose someone in your family, or you lose a friend, or whatever. They live on through people's stories. They live on through their words, right? And one thing, and this is me segueing into what it's about, going straight into the episode. So, do you know what? We, we, we're good at segues, but we point out the segues, so they're kind of in segues anyway. <laughs> uh, if, we can't, if, we, if we can't love ourselves. Have a hang on someone else. Can I get a exactly. amen? Exactly. A thing that I absolutely love about this episode, and it kind of starts off with it, is... You know that Jackie talks about Pete a lot. And Rose, literally at every point in the story, wherever they are in the story, she can narrate what's going on because Jackie has told it in such pinpoint specificity that she literally knows what's going on. Yeah. It's... The fact she can narrate her own father's death is, like, chilling. Yeah. Also, all of his other like little quirks, so, like, his um, tonics or whatever. Um... Yeah, and his, like, his trophies for bowling. Exactly. Uh, but that's that's the thing, I think, that's very, very sweet about this episode, is that it's not just the day he dies. It's things like that. It's the things that she, she knows. And I know that's because they're boxed up, so Jackie probably also gets them out when she's a bit pissed. Um, mm-hmm. Which I love that detail. I love um, that. But, like, yeah, it's just it's those, it's those stupid little things. And I think it's, yeah, maybe this is, this is about little things that you sort of, you know... I don't know someone's trophy that's in the way that you won for bowling and the winner's got to go to Didcot is like not important exactly. on any level until that person dies, and then that becomes a very important memory. You know, there's people, I'm, I'm, Elliot, I'm sure there's people in your life that like your family have told you about and you've never met them. Yeah. yeah. And you just think, oh my God, I wish I, I could have known them. Like, I've not had to experience my parent passing away yet. Yeah, so. And I've had the privilege of meeting my parents, obviously, because they're still alive and all of that. And a lot of people don't have that privilege. And I think what's really lovely about this episode is that I think people who've gone through that similar situation will be able to really connect to this and really feel seen. Because I just think it's so wonderfully done. Like, this is... It's my favourite episode of Doctor Who. Um, I've mentioned this before. When I think about episodes of Doctor Who, this emotionally, in every way, and just in other aspects as well, it's my favourite. I do really like it. It's a really good episode, TV. Uh, uh, in the in the pantheon of Doctor Who episodes, it, it would never cross probably into my like top 20. Fair. But it's really good. I feel like on an objective level, it's probably the, it's probably the second best in Series 1. Um, I feel like for me, I like the drama, but hand in hand with sort of really stupid like space opera sci-fi stuff. Yeah. So like it's yeah. why I find like why I find things like Doomsday more emotionally affecting is because you've also, yeah. you've got the excitement and the thrills and then the lull points for the sadness and this is just sort of quite a morose episode and there's nothing wrong with that it works for the mm-hmm. tone that it's going for but I feel like I sort of I almost need the the peaks to also feel really down with the low points and because this is, is kind fair. of just low points I sort of am at that base level and I never feel the sort of change in my emotions which there's nothing wrong with that it's a perfectly well done episode I feel like. My entire history with Paul Connell is enjoying thinking his episodes are really well made, but not connecting with them in the same way. Like I also, I never got Human Nature, Family Blood, really. 
and I know we'll talk about that. But like, I know it just never clicked with me, and this doesn't. It, it, I like it, but it doesn't click with me in the same way. Yeah, yeah, and you know what? That's absolutely fair enough. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what it is about this episode that actually gets me. Maybe, do you know what? I think when I realised I really loved it is because I was actually watching it with my dad once. Mm. And my dad doesn't cry. Yeah. Because, you know, toxic masculinity and all that. <laughs> but we were watching it and I looked over at him and he was like crying and I was like, oh shit. Obviously that's not the reason why this is my favourite, but like it made me realise... If I was a parent, I think I would, I would really, I, I don't know. I just feel like, I just feel like it's so, it just touches, well, for me, it touches my, my core. It really gets to the core of my being. All, and that, that's the beautiful thing about like emotional stories though, right? Is I can, I can think it's really well made and I can sort of, feel, I can sense it's emotional core, but it might not affect me in a way. But, you know, yeah, I will view it completely differently if I'm ever a father. Yeah. You know, or if I was someone's daughter. You yeah, know, like I would, view, I would view it totally differently, and that's what's so wonderful about things like that. Exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, God, I don't ever want to watch this as a father, but you know. Uh, yeah. Not, not I, in a bad way. Just yeah. Yeah. Rather, would rather not. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a bit of a sad one, isn't it? It's a bit of a sad one. Yeah. When when Jackie, obviously, like we've established, Jackie obviously spoke about Pete a lot as Ryan Rose is a kid. And I love that we see young Rose and Jackie like having one of their many conversations like out of nowhere just about Pete yeah and also weird the actress they cast as young Rose actually looks like Billy Piper and it's really weird yeah she's really good casting really good casting I've got the big eyes everything like that I like that sort of Jackie's sat on her own but she's not like you know you sort of have the stereotype of like the kind of like you know you have the stereotype of the sad sort of parent who is quite shut off about that kind of thing and and yeah. you know, but she's just very inviting. As soon as she sees Rose looking, she's like, "Oh, come, come on, sweetheart." You know, yeah. Sit on the bed to tell you about your dad. You know, it's quite sweet. Yeah, I just do you know what I think it it's is. Actually, sweet. I think I've I've realised what I think it is. I think it's mm. because I'm so close with my mum and dad. We're like a little. I don't know if you watch the holiday. Anybody? Um, the holiday is my favourite Christmas movie. Um, it's like when Cameron Diaz talks about her and her parents, how like they're like the three musketeers. That's kind of how we are. Mm. And I just think it really touches me because I just feel the heartbreak. But also I love how they how it's intertwined with like sci-fi elements and just the setting. I like a I like a dreary setting. I like I like a rainy day in England vibe. That's why I love With Nell and I so much. Random comparison. I don't know where I got this from, but here we I are. Mean- Paul McGann, it's related. Paul McGann, there you go, yeah. yeah. Well, with Nell and I, I love so much, partially because of the setting of everything, like when they go to the Lake District and like when they're in London and like that whole vibe. I just love, a good setting will win me over as well. You know what it's I mean? When you know, it's when you know a film that's set in the UK has actually been made by someone in the UK because it will be grey and probably yeah. raining. And exactly. it will feel dour because, you know, even like London, I think London is an incredibly beautiful city, you know, but like if you actually live in London, you know, it... it it, is, it know, looks like crap gray. most of the time. Yeah, most of the time it is just grey and it's probably a bit cold. Yeah. You know? Exactly. So like I like that when you I like that. I hate that when you watch like American movies and it's always like, look at beautiful sunny London. Mm. While we're talking about the setting and stuff. Because mm-hmm. I don't think it'll be as oh, sorry, London. <laughs> um uh, in, uh, well um, I don't know where that's supposed to be. 
is I don't know. I mean, I I think because I recognise the bit that they're standing on, right? Is is in the world of them? I think is quite close to the Powell estate because yeah. that bit where they're shooting, I believe, is where the TARDIS lands in Parting of the Ways. Yeah. When they like, you know, when Jackie uses the truck off her mate to rip the TARDIS open, so I assume it's just around the corner from the flat. I think it is, and I'll tell you uh, why. Because... Are you also pretty sure I've walked past there in Cardiff before, so? I did go on that Doctor Who bus tour, let's not forget, that I mention all the time. Sorry, yeah. Um, and I went to the Powell Estate, lol, not Powell Estate, Powell Estate, and I think we did walk to the church from mm. memory. I could be chanting utter rubbish. It was 2013, so also, I could Also, if you walk rubbish. there, that's a rubbish bus tour. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I've actually been to the church, and at the time, it was for sale for a million pounds. Jeez. And I was like, oh, shit. And one of my most fondest memories, just a little fun story for you guys. So obviously I was with a group of other people. And this is when Doctor Who was at its peak, I would say, in the modern era. I would say, like, this is when, like, the 50th was coming up in the next, like, two, three years. And Mm. the show was, like, this is when, like, the merch was in every shop. Like, it was it. So the bus tour was very, very popular. And there was this American family... And the guy, the boy in the family, was like, quick, take a photo of me. And he he laid down in the street. Oh, no, don't. And got his family to take a photo of him lying down in the street. And I was like, maybe not. Pretending to be dead Pete Tyler. Yeah. And do you know what? I absolutely have a photo of it. And I'm not going to share it with you lot on Instagram. I'm going to share it with Elliot and, and show them. That's at some really point. Bad. It's really bad. It's really bad. I might actually, for now that I'm saying it, I might actually share some, not that photo, because no, um, but <laughs> but um, some photos from the Doctor Who bus tour on the Instagram. But w- w- with, I don't know why this guy felt the need to be dead Pete Tyler in the street, in the exact spot. I mean, that's, yeah, it's it's kind of, in, I don't know, can it be in poor taste? Oh, it's a fictional death, but it's weird. It is in poor taste. No, I'm going to say it's in poor taste. I did laugh. But that's because I was uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a strange one. But yeah, that little area is very eerie in itself. It's very like I get why they chose it. Mm. Yeah, it looks it's like ordinary, ordinary spot in London mm. vibes. You know, something I love about this that sort of plays into the into the it's the broad themes of the episode. I really, really like at the start, and it's a tiny, 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 tiny little moment. It's when Rose is talking about wanting to go and see. Pete. Yeah. And I think Nine just sort of, you know, asks her why and she's like, Oh, you know, no real reason. I've just been thinking about it. And then he's like he's like, Oh, but I'm I'm worried that you're not feeling okay. I was like, Oh, oh. Yeah, that was you know, we love we love we love a we love a friend who checks in. Yeah, like he's just like he's just like, You're okay, you're alright. But in the same breath, babe, in the same breath, like he literally took her to her own father's death. Like, do you know what I mean? I mean, yeah, he also is then immediately like, you know, be careful what you wish for. Yeah, it's very, I don't know, it's a bit weird. Yeah. It goes from being very sincere to being very jokey in like two seconds. Yeah. But yeah. no, I get you though. I, I do get you. I like yeah. it. I did like that little chat. I loved how it transitioned from young Rose and Jackie into... Her telling I'd, yeah. I just think the way this episode was edited and shot, 
and everything. The production of this episode was lit. So we can sum it up with one word. Transitions. <laughs> inside joke that you lot won't understand. To explain to you guys, I'm going to, I'm going to explain the inside joke. Oh my God, I can't believe it. Because an inside joke is best when it's actually an outside joke. Exactly. And it'll probably come up again later on, so it's probably relevant. So <laughs> um, at university, which is where Elliot and I met, we would yeah. watch films and things of that nature. And if there was a good transition, we would go, <gasps> transitions! Transitions. And you have to do finger guns as well. Transitions. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. And that, that was a transition. And yeah, it was a really good transition. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I was saying, yeah, the production of the episode, I actually think, obviously the camera and the way it's shot isn't the best thing ever. I do think this, a lot of the shots are really well considered and really, really... They really set the tone. I even like the POV shots of the Reapers. Well, I was going to... I have a note about that, and it's... Um, yeah, is it? The, the POV is, is hilarious. Is it that how, how... Given their size and noise, how is it that they're so close to everybody all the time but no one can see them until it's relevant? Are they invisible? I don't know. Yeah. No, you make a point. I mean, also, what what are they called? Because I don't remember. Reapers, isn't it? The Reapers, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I know our podcast isn't rated PG. It's rated adults. So I can I can say this. It's because I forget does... that we fucking swear occasionally and it really annoys me. Yeah, we do. And the thing <laughs> is, we could try and not swear, but that would be ingenuine to who we are. Um, oh, fuck yeah. Something about their design... They're like big vaginas, is that what you're going to say? Yes, that's it, that's it, yeah. Big yeah. tooth, yeah. big toothy time vaginas. Yes, it's not, it's not, it's not, a, I'm not a fan, <laughs> I'm not a fan. Mm. And it makes me laugh. But apart from that, I mean, apart from the awful effects that haven't lasted, unfortunately. Okay, I've got, to, I've got to say, first of all, I went to film school, I'm aware that the effect of something looking uh, vaginal is actually yonic, it's the opposite of a phallic symbol, Uh I know that. Uh, read my essays on Alien. The vents in that are yonic to symbolise female empowerment. Um, hey, so, link in the show notes. Yes. Um, sorry, I just wanted to. You know, we did actually learn stuff at school. Uh, yeah, we when, did. When we, yeah, we don't. We didn't just muck around at film school. We learned things. Um, yeah. And secondly, actually, I think that they look pretty good for sort of big, lumbering two thousand five bat creatures. I think. Well, no, I think their design is good. Yeah, look, I, I don't think I don't even I don't think the CGI is that bad, really. I will say, okay, 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 okay. I mean, it's all dated, but like, I think there's been worse. I will say this. Hold on, let me let me explain myself. There's nope. a quite a few shots where I'm like, oh god, that looks awful. Mm. But then there are some, and there's specifically when they come down and eat people. Mm. That actually still looks quite good. Like there's a shadow there. Like they've even got shadows going on, which is good. They're well integrated with the area. Exactly. I think the 2005 CGI looks worse when it's when they also need a CGI environment to exist in. Like a lot of the spiders in End of the World have to sort of exist in a sort of CGI vacuum as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, like the shots of it, like trying to break down the church door and stuff, always look quite good because there's something physically happening to the church door, and it just makes yeah. it just helps sell the CGI a bit more. Yeah, and the rocks are like falling off the building and things yeah. like that. Yeah, and obviously um, they do a good job of when they're inside, like a lot of shadows and just noise and stuff, which helps sort of sell yeah. the idea. Then they're, they're never gone completely. Exactly. 
in terms of the actual meat of the episode, what what happens? Mm-hmm. I do so, think the Reaper, the Reapers, I think it's really interesting because you have to think like, because obviously when Rose and the Doctor go and see Pete die, which is such a, a sad scene, it's so sad the fact that Rose and the Doctor are watching it and then he, he's like, you know, go run to him, blah, blah, blah. And then she can't do it the first time. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was really well done because that's... I mean, watching your own dad die, trauma, babe. Do you need therapy, Rose? Are you all right, hon? Are you cool? Yeah. And then she's like, oh, can I try again? And that just that close-up on Nine's eyes, mm. like, I really shouldn't do this, but I'm going to do it. Oh, God. I feel like Ten would never do that. No, no. I feel like any other doctor wouldn't do that, to be really yeah. honest. Yeah, even Jody, of... even Jody. I I agree with you. So obviously, and I love the idea of them there being two sets of them. I I do I do think that it kind of fucks with Doctor Who. You you can't think about time travel too much, and it works because it's contained to the story. Yeah. Because obviously, if if time travel actually exists, well, yeah, they'd be like be crossing over with previous versions of himself, and you know, how can previous versions exist if he regenerates? And it's all about timelines and stuff. So you know, like time travel is is incredibly complex, and you sort of need to just when it comes to time travel, you need to just go fuck it. Um, so it exactly. feels really it feels really weird seeing another set of them, but because it's just used for that setup in this episode, it doesn't matter so much. Yeah. It's strange that the concept has never been explored again. I agree. I think it because I, should I always think of when the first initial set of Rose and the Doctor see Rose running forward and saving Pete. What are they thinking? Because before they disappear, they're like, "Oh, yeah, I, I bet, I bet, I bet Nine really wants to be like, you know, what the fuck did you do?" And then, yeah, it would be funny if you're like, "What the fuck." cut <laughs> it, it's really nice i like i like rose's absolute bewilderment uh rescuing pete as well she's like she's like oh, i did it. oh my god oh my god right 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 before i even continue billy piper billy fucking piper yeah i mean this is her episode she outperforms chris Rackerson. but it's not even just that billy piper and sean dingwall i think that's how mm-hmm. you say his name who plays yeah, pete he, he it's fantastic. They act their bloody asses off. I literally can't even deal with it. Well, yeah, like the fact that I have such a strong connection to Pete Tyler and he's in maybe, what, another... Three? Three episodes, if that. I remember him as being in it so much more because of how amazing he is. And that's that's the thing, that's what I really love about um, this era of the show is just like, you know, there's one episode in series one that you can watch as its own standalone adventure about sort of time and, you know, grief and stuff. It's really, really beautiful. It works on its own. But it f- just, oh, it, it feeds into the broader Rose story arc so well. Yeah. It's so nice, but it never feels like it's doing setup. I really miss Pete's presence in Stolen Earth and Journey's End. I do. Yeah. I can only imagine that he was doing another project. Yeah, because I feel like, yeah, because Russell and him are still very clearly friends. Exactly. Because they were getting drunk a few months ago. Yeah, and it was on Instagram and I died. Um, but yeah, I just think they they both... I mean, the acting in this episode from everyone was amazing. But Billy and Sean, oh my God. Oh my God. I feel like this was the episode that had Billy Piper questioners 
and people who are like, mm, I don't know how I feel about Billy Piper being an actress, I feel like it tipped them to the side of, oh, hang on, she is really, really good. Yeah, because say even that first bit where she's just amazed at rescue. I mean, there's so many bit, there's so many amazing. But we might have to change up our ranking. We might have to put in a special like what what best Rose moment act Tyler bit Billy Piper scene right at the end. Well, can I make a can I make a salient point? Yes. Yes, only if it's salient. <laughs> yeah, um, which is I really something that I really like is that. The first actual line that you hear Pete say is him being a bit of a dickhead. Yeah. Like he's, you know, because when she, you know, because obviously, she, I mean, you're with Rose in that moment that she's really like jubilant that she saved him and, you know, you're like, oh yeah. But then, you know. He was going to like, kill ya. Yeah. And he's like, but then he just goes, yeah, well, give me a credit. You know, I did see it coming. I wasn't going to, you know, throw myself under it. It's like, yeah, but you do die. You do die. You and do it, kind of die, Pete. But yeah. I will say also, isn't that such a dad comment? Oh yeah, yeah. Like you, yeah. You could literally stop your dad from falling down the stairs, you know, and he would be like, he'd be like, "Well, I wasn't going to." You know, well, <laughs> but it's you, like, you were literally about to. You literally like, were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely a dad thing, but I feel like it's the first sort of piece of him not being what she has imagined in her head. Yeah, because he's got that kind of cocky swagger of being like, you know, yeah. Well, I didn't need rescuing. It's like, no, I, I know you need res. I know you need to rescuing because you die. Yeah, I love again in that bit when. Rose looks over at nine and just his face alone is like, oh, you're so done angry. fucked up, you stupid bitch. <laughs> yeah, he's really like, Chris's face is so He's dirty. fuming. Yeah. And I, I mean, that's why I like the scene in the flat because he just stands there and with that look on his face. That classic for arms crossed. Yeah, leaning up against the thing, you. arms crossed, yeah. And Chris has an angry walk and it's very fun. I love it. Yeah. I love I mean, him. I love him too. I will say, if you want to know what kind of stupid nerd I am, it's that whilst I was saying, oh, you know, I thought this episode was good, but I don't have an emotional connection to it, I got really excited about seeing bottles of Vitex in the flat because I was like, that's yeah. what he sells. That's what he sells in Rise of the Cybermen. I love that they pick that up again in, you know, in um, they don't, they don't need in series two. Yeah, there's no, they don't need to, but it's just a, such a good little thread that he's selling Vitex cherry. In Rise of the Side. So is Vitex like a, a is Vitex like a fizzy drink? Yeah, it's like yeah. I feel like it's meant to be like a health drink tonic that you know is good for you, but it tastes like a fizzy pop. Oh, we need that. Do you know what? we need Vitex? Yeah, I drink Vitex. You can trust me on this. Uh, uh, blah, 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 blah. You can trust me on trust this. Trust me on this. Yeah. Trust me on this. Trust me on this. <laughs> But what is it with the Doctor universe and the obsession with fizzy drink? Like, Sarah Jane Adventures with that fizzy drink. Mm, oh, what's it called? It's got like a really, it's really generic. It's like, it's like bubble splash or something. Bubble shock. That's funny. <laughs> I've only seen one episode of the Sarah Jane Adventures. And we will watch it later on and review for the podcast and you're going to love it and it's going to be amazing. Um, I want to talk about Elliot. Mm-hmm. Yes. My favourite thing about the episode. Mm-hmm. The fact that it kind of centres on this unconventional love story, right? Yeah. Like, Jackie and Pete, they have issues. When we're doing flashbacks to a character's family or whatever, it's always like rainbows and smiles. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I really love 
that that's not what it is. It, it's they argue the duff, the duffel coats, the duffel coats, yeah. <laughs> and sometimes the duffel yeah, I mean, coat is just a duffel coat. But in this case, I really don't think it was. I mean, again, as I put in my notes, Peter is a cheater. I never picked up on that until the other day when I watched the episode. The 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 moral, or some of the moral is that you know, you know, her dad's a fundamentally good person because of what he does. Yeah, and what he does, like what Alton Universe Pete does later on, but like. If you go and meet someone that you don't know, you actually don't know them because someone's only going to tell you the best parts. Yeah. And people are complicated. And that Pete maybe was a bit of a womanizer. Maybe Jackie did also hate him a lot of the time. But ultimately there was a reason why they got married. Yeah. And that's what she remembers when he's dead. She remembers the good stuff. But Yeah. So it feels like Rose having to sort of learn or sort of mature into the idea that people are, are three dimensional and no one's perfect. And Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're so right. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Amazing. Amazing. Imagine being right. Imagine. <laughs> no, but I... Especially... I agree. Sorry. Especially because she has the exact same arc with nine... Yeah. ...in this. They have that bust up. Yeah. I mean, great line for once, you're not the most important man in my life. Oh, tea. Uh, yeah. Which, tea. again, kind of reaffirms to me that maybe it's more of a sort of fatherly role than a romantic one. Mm. Um... Because I feel like nine's that kind of replacement father figure, uh, but yeah, like I, I yeah, I feel like they have the exact same kind of fraught relationship in this episode that Jackie and Pete do. Yeah. They're less sort of Eastenders about it. Yeah, and that's not derogatory about the episode, but you know what I mean. They do have a very sort of they do know, like it's a it's a very East End argument, isn't it? Exactly, uh, <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, but they have the exact same sort of fraught relationship, and that's what I mean. It's yeah, you know, it's, it's it's about it's all circular right this whole episode is circular it's it's about having that relationship with the doctor and you know him and her losing her father but but in finding her father she loses the doctor and then she has to lose her father again to find the doctor and the cars going around in circles i just it all has a very it does cyclical nature this episode yeah oh how interesting i never picked up on that well done thank you (laughs) thank you Uh, can you tell who's the writer among the two of us she she writes all these things for me to say so I can sound important. Uh, these are scripted. Totally even this. Scripted. Even this. And this. And this. And that. And, and this. Don't blink. Um, <laughs> oh, we love a reference. Um, but yes, yeah, so I just love that, that an unconventional, real relationship is at the heart of this episode. They don't... They, you know, at the wedding, he got her name wrong. You know? Yeah. Yeah, and she says... It's good enough for Lady Di. It's good enough for Lady Di, yeah. Which, I don't know, yeah, kind of says that... It it could be two things. It could be that she is... She loves him enough where it doesn't matter. Yeah. Or that she's sort of... I don't want to say desperate, but you know what I mean. It's sort of a bit downtrodden in her own life. Mm -hmm. Like, I need more of Jackie's backstory. I need to know what led her up to that wedding. We need the Jackie spin-off. Yeah, I want to know. Come on. I mean, and yeah, and like you say, it's all it's all really interesting relationship things because, I mean, I feel like you understand that Pete's probably a bit of a womanizer because, I mean, he definitely fancies Rose before he knows. Uh, I mean, he probably could do without it, but I get why it's in there because it's like... It kind of sets those seeds of him being lechy and a bit sort of, you know, like, oh. Yeah. I do quite like it, though, when he's, you know, when he's like, oh, well, if you're my girlfriend, she's like, you know, don't go there, you don't even know that there exists. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Uh, which, boy, oh boy, I've had that conversation a few times. I was going to say, when they're in the flat, one thing I want to I wanna bring up is, because I don't think it'll be relevant later on, 
is I actually think the window compartment thing is a shout. As in it's good? Good to have? Yeah. So, because, like, yeah. when you're a student yeah. and you can't be affording to have your electrics on all the time, mm-hmm. having your milk out on a little ledge, why not? Oh, okay. I see what you mean. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't... Yeah, I mean, kind of, but also then completely inoperable during summer. Yes, Elliot, but I'm saying in the winter, it would probably be a good idea. Why are you hating? Why are you hating? Because 1987, good idea. In the year 2022, when the Earth is being ravaged by flames and global warming, it's like 15 degrees in November now. Well, this is what I mean. I'm talking about back then. You're talking about back then? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not back then, it was illegal to be gay. Do you want to go back then, do you? The other oh, past God, so much, we... why don't you marry it? We would, we would, we would struggle. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I don't know what that was about. <laughs> it's true, though. It wouldn't, it's true, though, it wouldn't work now. It's too hot in November. It's even true. In November. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. It's true. Yeah. Although, actually, that being said, really lovely. Good little tip. Welcome welcome to the new segment, Elliot's Housekeeping Tips. Having a Christmas party and don't have tons of money and or storage space, keep your food and drinks cooling outside when it's like... Minus two. Nice yeah. little Christmas tip for you there. There you go. Yeah. I'm st- and that's that's that. <laughs> anywho, anywho. Um, oh God. I know. I know what the next big one is for me. Go on. Go on. It's the empty Tardis. Oh my God. Okay. So that is like a really iconic moment in the whole show. I feel like, like of, of the whole of Doctor Who. It's a good moment. Again, really well shot as well. Obviously, like, Rose and the Doctor have their little tiff. Boyfriend travel. And then he's strutting off, looking iconic. And then, damn, the TARDIS is empty. empty. So, so pretty sure that's just what the prop looks like, right? No, no, of course it is. Of course it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Like, I love they that. usually have a little card with, like, the interior inside, but they've taken it out, obviously. Uh, I do kind of miss the old days, though, when you just step out of... The black void because yeah. it was cheap and there was no backdrop. <laughs> yeah. Along with that, Paul, I love the way Paul used all these different elements, just these little touches he did. So like, time is wrong, time is effed, right? And the TARDIS interior is gone. The TARDIS is just now a phone box. The first phone call ever made is running on a loop on telephones. I think that's really creepy. It's so creepy. Watson, come here. I need yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, Watson, come here. I need you. It reminds me of um 
Hey, who turned out the lights? Oh, don't. Oh, my God. Why did you say that? Because it's fucking creepy. I'm up here on my own. Why did you do that? <laughs> That's what it reminds me of, though. Yeah, it's the same vibe. Yeah, just all these little, little bits. I don't know. It's just... But I will say one thing. I do have a... I could have mentioned this in my um, what doesn't work for me in this episode moment that we do at the end. Mm. But there's something else that trumps that for me, but we'll get to that. Rose has just saved her her, her dad that had died. Wouldn't the doctor in that moment be like, we are so screwed? Like, why did the doctor not realise that would be a bigger problem? Yeah, I because I, I always... Because something that happens within uh, the fandom is people are always like, why don't the Reapers come every time there's a paradox? Yeah. And I guess the thing is, is that uh, a line that I only noticed this episode is when they sort of first appear and the Doctor's kind of explain what they are inside the church. He's like, he's like, they're like bacteria. He's like the shark. So I get the sense that they don't come all the time. So maybe he knows that they've screwed up, but he thinks that they can leave and that, you know, he can probably go back to the present or, you know, he can leave Rose here in the past if she wants to and he can just go. But then him realising that the TARDIS is empty is him being like, ah, no, actually, like, this is more than just, like, you know, someone's alive who wasn't before and that, you know, time is now a bit skew if this is actually really serious. Well, do you think it's really serious as well, feeding into what happens in the parallel universe? Because he did kind of change the world in parallel universe. That's the thing. I must assume, right, that, yeah, part of the reason is because Pete actually does go on to become important because if you're taking parallel Pete as what would happen if Pete survived in this episode, then, yeah, Pete becomes a multimillionaire and also helps create the Cybermen because of how it's happened there, that there's maybe no 10 to... You know, if, if 9 then leaves, then there's no 10 to help yeah. and and everything like that. And, you know, it, it would be kind of like... Uh, we can like turn left. Yeah. You know, then the Cybermen take over and you know, all that sort of stuff. So yeah, like Pete is incredibly important. So yeah, I just I say I just think it's one of those things that probably most likely you can cause irreparable damage to time and occasionally get away with it, but if these things happen sharp, it's like, oh my god. When the doctor mm-hmm. realizes what's going on and then runs over to Rose and Rose's little face when she's like, I knew you'd come running. I knew you'd finally come running back for me. I knew you weren't going to leave me here. And then he's just like, Get in the church. And then boom, 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 it's all happening. Which I love that sort of weird. I have no idea what you'd call it on a technical level, but you have that amazing sort of connecting shot of Mickey running into the church and everybody being like, Oh, look, it's Mickey. And then it's sort of the camera passing Rose, and then the Doctor sprinting up the pavement. I don't know, it's just quite a nice little uh, bit of, I don't know, continuity, or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. I, I know what you're referring to, yeah. Yeah, it's like a fun moment. It is a fun moment. But I love that whole bit, because obviously, it just, kick, it just kicks off, doesn't it? It absolutely kicks off. And then we get the best bits of the episode, which is when it's all set in the church. And I love things set in one place. If you know me, you know this about me. I ha- Okay, I have a couple, I have a couple of Questions for you, but I'm going to ask the first one now. Yeah. Which is when the Doctor and Pete are barricading the back door. Yeah. And the Doctor looks out the window and he sees the car appear. Yeah. Do you think the Doctor in the moment, in that moment, knows that probably the most likely way out of that situation yes. is to kill absolutely Pete, but he can't because of 
Rosen. I have this down as a note, actually. The Doctor literally knows, without a doubt, if you've not watched the episode, then I don't know why you're listening to this, but in the they all get in the church and they're barricading the back door and the Doctor looks out the window and notices the same car that was supposed to run over Pete circling the building, disappearing and reappearing. And he just looks at it and he, you know that he knows what needs to happen. But he yep. would never do that to Rose. He would never do that to a human. He would never do that to anyone to be like, you've got to go and die. You have to go run in front of that car so we can get out of this scenario. He would never do that. So he he literally trying to find any other scenario or any other way to do it. You're not going to ask someone to do that, especially if you're the doctor, no. right? And yeah, and it'd be really hard to explain. I feel like Jackie would probably put up a bit of a fight, even though the doctor had just had that amazing interaction with him, with her, where she's like, where he's like, you know. Do as I say, go and check the doors. Yes, sir. Should have done that ages ago. <laughs> it's good. Jackie and the Doctor, yeah. I love them. Besties. Jackie and Nine never really get along fully. No. She says that she loves him later on because he did the right thing and brought her back to Earth. But Ten and Jackie, best friends. Nine and Nine and Jackie are sort of genuinely quite frosty with each other in places, whereas Ten and Jackie have that kind of like faux banter you meant to have with your mother-in-law. You know, it's meant to be like, oh, oh the mother-in-law, oh god, you know, it, yeah. it's, she's kind of fills that role. Exactly. I love her perm as well. I, I love her perm. My mum had love hair her. like that. Oh hell yeah! The same, and she—I think she wore a very similar like, chiffon dress. Beautiful. The costuming in this episode was great. I just think everything down, every bit of production of this episode, I think was just amazing. Yeah, no, it's actually very good period-wise. The only thing that sticks out to me, like, uh, as a bit of a sore thumb, sort of in, like, period things, that all the costuming and the acting and sort of the way their hairs are styled and their props and everything feels very, very good, the cars they're driving. But I do hate when they first step out of the TARDIS, there's, like, an 80s song playing. Yeah. Just because you have to be like, it's the 1980s now. Yeah, exactly. I want to kind of talk about the scenes with Pete and Rose. Specifically, the first time they speak in that other little room and he's, like, realising... Because obviously she calls him dad when he nearly crashes into something again or yeah. into, that, into that car. He He's like, I, I gave you my car keys. I don't give... I don't just give people my car keys. And it's just, oh, it's so beautiful, like, the way she's just looking at him. And he's like, I... you're my rose. Yeah, it's when, it's when he puts his hand on her cheek and then he and takes then it away it and she back. puts it back. Oh, yeah. It makes me so emotional. Don't, don't. Yeah. Okay, do you, want, do, you want, do you want a heavy note or a light note? I can, have, I can give you two light ones and then build into the heavy one if you want, just so we don't get too bogged down in the sad stuff. Mm-hmm. So first light note is I always forget that like Mickey is like five years older than Rose. Yeah. Rose is a baby in this episode. Mickey's like six. Yeah, I forget that too. Very odd. I don't know why. I feel like it's because you can't. It's easier. It's easier than having two babies on set. Uh, yeah. And it's a fun little way of being like, oh Mickey, and you can be like, oh Mickey. Mickey. My Mickey, favorite Mickey. version of Mickey in series one because he's the only one who's not irritating. Actually, young Mickey's quite cute. Agreed. Chris without his leather jacket is incredibly cursed, and I don't like it. It's incredibly cursed. It is. As soon as you took it off, I was just like, oh, I don't know, this doesn't work. <laughs> oh, God. 
Oh, that's funny. Like the sofa, because I think it might be the only time he ever takes his jacket off. Yeah, no, it is. Because Ten's, Ten's got it off all the time, you know. You're always seeing him in just a blue shirt and a tie. I don't actually prefer if he kept it on, Ten. I actually really love the coat. It's impractical, but I yeah, love it. Yeah, yeah. Because he's always like coat on, coat off, and then the blazer <laughs> off and, you know, the tie yeah. off. Yeah, he's always he's always stripping in some degree. <laughs> Sometimes he's shoeing, shoes and socks off. But yeah, I don't know. There's just something about it. I was just a bit like, ah. Oh. That's weird. It is weird. Also, it's got like a little bit of a lining to it. I was like, ooh, it's got a bit of a V-neck. It's got a bit of a lining. It's olive green, you know? Yeah, yeah some definition. You know, it's quite, you know, it's quite, I think it's quite, I think it's quite form-fitting. No, it is. But I know what you yeah. mean it is, because that was funny. And I was a bit like, oh, uh, yeah, there's like scenes of him, yeah. And then like, because when he takes it off and picks up the key, I was like, oh, okay, that's a good idea. And then it cuts to the next scene, and he's still got it off when he's standing in the pulpit talking. I was like, oh, no, put your jacket on. No, this, uh, it's, it's not, it's, it's, it's too much. Nine's outfit, I've said this before, it's the most similar to what I wear anyway. Mm-hmm. Like on a night out, I'm like blazer, dark trousers, boots, let's go, yeah. or leather jacket, you know what I mean? Whereas I dress like the sixth doctor all the time. You would really suit a Patrick Troughton look. Mm. Fluffy coat. Yeah. You would, oh, you would look good in a fluffy coat. Oh, you mean like the the like fur jacket yeah. that he wears in the Bombardier? And I'm being dead serious. Yeah, or or two doctors kind of yeah furry coat kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Don't question uh, it. I mean... Don't question it. What were we just talking about? Sorry, I'm just trying to. Oh yeah, it feels very cursed. Oh yeah, and then you were going to do another point. Go on, go on. Okay, so. My my serious one then, besides the cursed and the Mickey point. After I'd say about the first interaction, when sort of, yeah, when Pete realizes that yeah, Rose is his daughter. Yeah. Question for you to chew over. Go on. Do you think that somewhere Pete knows that he's supposed to have died? Because he technically doesn't realise until the end. But there's so many times when he's like, What am I like? And she can't answer, and he's like, "Oh, my bald!" And he sort of has to go silent. And I think when she's sort of saying about, you know, "Oh, here's what you're like," and he's like, "But that's none of that's not me." I feel like there's a little part of him that knows somewhere. I don't think I was meant to survive that car crash. Yes, and I think it's sooner than most people think, mm. as well. I can't tell you where yeah. specifically. For me, I do think it's when he's saying, you know, "Oh, what am I bald?" Oh, don't think I've gone grey. That kind of because then he's saying all those jokes and she's not laughing and I think he kind of goes, ah. Oh, but do you know I what I love about that me. interaction as well mm. is the way that Rose just smiles at him. Oh, Billy, Billy. Yeah, they have. That's the thing, and that what's that's what makes them feel like a family because it kind of reminds me of um. It kind of reminds me of his and Jackie's reunion. Oh my in, god! In oh Doomsday. My god. Just oh because that's God. very, you know, they're kind of smiling at each other, but they're also being sincere, and yeah. she's asking questions, and he's just kind of smiling. Yeah, and... exactly. Yeah, I just, and it's very nice. I Just that whole interaction. And also, the bit that breaks my heart is when, when she's like making up these stories about what he would have done. And you just know that that's just what she's had to... Think about. Believe, yeah, in her own head. Yeah. Yeah. Or there's the things that Jackie sort of said, you know, like, oh, he he would have done these things. Because it's all very picturesque, like going out for picnics, you read me a bedtime story. When in reality, Pete probably, I, I believe Pete would have read a bedtime story to Rose. I feel like he would have come home from work a bit late, usually, most of the time. Had a little chat with her at the dinner table or something. 
And then had a little chat with her while he tucks her into bed. Yeah, I feel like that's what he would do. Like a little chat before he tucks her into bed. Maybe a bedtime story if he wasn't too tired from work that day. Again, I just think it's always beautiful because I just she knows she thinks that she thinks that Pete is going to solve all of her problems. Pete being alive is going to sort of fix something that's broken inside her, but but it, it doesn't. doesn't. You have to because you can't you can't ever bring something back. You have to move on. Yeah, and and when oh. he realizes oh. that he's dead, hmm. oh god. That whole bit at the end, the last 10 minutes has me in tears, in absolute fits of tears. I the last have a very funny photo of me crying, which I may share on the Instagram page. Who knows? I mean, I did tell you to. Yeah. Because you sent it to me, and I believe I said, save it for the social You did, page. you did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, it's the whole thing of like, when he's like, it's, it's all my fault, and blah, blah, blah. And he's mm. like, I'm your dad, it's, it's my job for it to be my fault, kind of thing. Yeah. Pete, man, like the, shut up. You're getting on my nerves with uh, this emotion. Like, please. I feel like the episode has, like, one last joke before it gets completely serious. Yeah. Which is when Jackie finds out that Rose is... Rose grown up. Yeah. When, yeah, when, when she's... Yeah, when... And she's like, yeah, oh, do you call them all Rose? You're sick. You know, yeah. Like, how old are you? 12? Uh, like, you know, that's yeah. very funny and good comedy. And I feel like that's when it, it stops. Because, yeah. I mean, right after that, right, the Reaper breaks into the church, which is scary. Yeah. yeah. And then kills the Doctor. I mean, wow. Like, I mean, the fact that this is my favourite Doctor Who episode and the Doctor isn't even in a quarter of it. Yeah. I think that was so bold and so interesting. Because just the way he said it, he just goes, I'm the oldest I'm the oldest thing in the room, take me. And you feel like, because you're kind of waiting for the... Ah, it's not going to, and the doctor's going to have had a plan, uh, yeah. and then it just no, the, it just eats him. No, it literally just eats him straight up, and the TARDIS keys fucks, yeah. so they, the, the TARDIS yeah. can't even help them. That beautifully materializing TARDIS, where it sort of forms around the key in the lock, and then oh, I love that. Yeah, it's a great effect. Great, mm-hmm. really great. And then yeah, say, so, and then that's when I was like, this is about it's about Rose saving one father figure, her actual father, losing a father figure, and having. To learn to lose her father figure and having to learn to rely on herself. Absolutely. That whole last bit nah. has only one thing in it that I don't like. And no, it's go not on. I would say it's not it's not a moment that doesn't work, because I will have one of those for the end. But it did make me laugh, and again, maybe we can bring some a bit of brightness to what's probably going to be a very sad ending. Is uh, after the doctor dies and the reapers are swarming around that church, there's that one woman who goes You've never. She's not said anything the whole episode. You don't even know who she is, and she just goes, "This is it. There's nothing we can do. It's the end." I was like, "Okay, okay, girl, calm down. Don't pipe up all of a sudden. Just keep it still, please." She she's the man screaming at Auton Mickey in the restaurant of this episode. Yeah. All the other supporting cast are really good, and I'm just amazed it wasn't one of the other supporting cast. Like the couple yeah. who are getting married are really good. Um, oh yeah. You know. Their dad is really good. Yes. Like, and I'm just amazed that it's just this one random person who's not in any other scene, but yeah. she gets to say a whole line to camera. So funny. <laughs> I it love is it. funny. Sorry. But yeah, yeah, I. And then it gets sad. The bit that makes me start crying is, like I said, when Pete and Rose are having that conversation about, like, I need to, I, I should have died. Blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, you know, it's, it's, it's my job for it to be my fault. I'm your dad. You know, do what your dad tells you. Like He's he's being the father that he never could have been. Yeah. And he, 
I love when he says this. I mean, there's so many touch of dialogue in this episode. I mean, I've actually read the script for this episode and it's beautiful. Um, I I have a single I have a single line which I mean, none, I didn't cry, but it was probably the closest to me actually probably tearing up. Yeah. Uh, it's when he sort of, when they're talking about it and him sort of saying what he has to do, uh, and he turns to Jackie and he says, "You're going to get rid of me at last." Oh my god! I was, like, I was like, oh, oh, just the way she's like, she's the like, she's don't, like, don't, don't say that. Yeah, I was like, oh god, that's so sad. It got it, guys. It makes me tear up. I'm actually just need to mm, cool. Let me not cry on the podcast. It is when he's like, I've got all of these extra hours and I've got to see you grow up. I was like, Pete, I'm gonna need you to shut the fuck up right now before I punch you for yeah, making me feel emotion. Okay. Yeah, because like, who else can say that? Yeah, it's like, oh. yeah, oh, and then like, yeah, that it, hug. it reminds me of a sort of of a of a kind of of a sort of Vincent and the Doctor kind of thing. Yeah, where it's like you just give someone that little extra bit of yeah life and hope, and again, you know, this movie does that. Yeah, it reminds me of Charles Dickens. It's giving someone that bit of hope and that bit of, but yeah. it's on a much more real, tangible, emotional level. The whole interaction before he goes and runs out of the church. Holding the vase. When Rose gives him the vase, that's what that's usually when I tend to go, fuck, I've gone, I'm gone. The tears are running. The vase the vase symbolism is really nice. It is. Because when he gets run over first time and she can't go to him, it breaks. And then when she saves him, it doesn't smash. Mm-hmm. And then this time it smashes again. Exactly. Just a nice visual motif. of. Also, that vase is hideous. Yeah, it's a terrible wedding present. Yes, and then Pete runs out of the church. Mm-hmm. Obviously, and then Murray's score just oh my god, yeah. And then the music welling up in that beautiful like piano moment, whatever. Maybe it's even a piano. Maybe I'm chatting shit. I don't know. Whatever, it's beautiful. And then obviously Pete runs in front of the car. What does he say? What is his final words? I can't actually make them out. Can I quickly look this up? Can I quickly? Look... I can look up the script real quick. He says good. He says goodbye, love. Apparently, ooh, ooh, tidbit. I'm looking at the the actual script from BBC Writers Room. Yeah. And Rose was actually going to say goodbye, Dad, and I'm really glad they got rid of it. Yeah. That would have been really crap. Um, yeah. I just, oh, and then, yeah, he gets hit by the car, and then Rose is standing there with her eyes closed, and the doctor just steps next to her. Oh, it's beautiful, it's gorgeous. Yeah. And he's like... There's no fanfare, he just... Yeah. And he's like, go to him quick you know, repeat of what happened at the start kind of thing. Yeah. Like you said, it all comes to a circle. It's literally exactly as you said. Again, well done, also, well done. Um, I also am pretty sure that in if you want to take the, the cyclical idea even further, I'm pretty sure that a heap of this score is also used in Bad Wolf and Parting of the Ways. I think so. Like, I'm pretty sure it's the music that you hear when Rose dies. And also the music when the Doctor's saving her on the Dalek ship. I think I think it's mixed. I think it's a mix of bits and bobs. You're probably right. But yeah, and then she goes up to him. And the, just that whole bit, I was sobbing. I sob every time I watch it. Because it's the way he's like looking at her. Like, he's so grateful. He's so yeah. grateful that she's there. And she's so happy. Obviously, she's so upset. But she's so happy in a way that she got to do that. Yeah, because well, that's the thing. What I realised I really liked about this is that it changes the story so that 
even though Pete dies, which is still sad, it stops it from being, you know, hit and run. Yeah. You know, guy just drove away, no one saw it happen, to the guy stopped, felt bad, got out of his car. Yeah. And there was someone to be with him. You know, it's a slightly more hopeful. Yeah. I love it. As, as, hope, as hopeful as something like that can be, I guess, you know. Yeah, it's the way she's just looking at him. And then... She kissed him on the forehead. And then... I'm actually tearing up. I need to stop. I need to calm down. Really, truly. And... Then she gets to do her little Peter Allen Tyler. But yeah, and like, um, Stuart and Sarah and all their wedding guests and Jack and everyone are lo- is looking over, like, what's going on? And I think what's happened there is they now don't... That all of what happened, they don't remember, obviously, because that's what the doctor said, you know, everything is going to... They won't forget. Sorry, they won't remember. But Pete, in that moment, does know, which I like. And I know that doesn't make sense, but I don't give a shit. I don't care. Yeah. Again, it's why it's good that it's contained to one episode, because you can't have those kind of rules throughout the whole show, because otherwise the whole show becomes a mess of continuity that doesn't make sense. Exactly. Rose would be remembering six different thousand timelines, and it would probably kill her brain. Um, But for this one little bit, for some storytelling, it's really nice. I just love when the score kind of leaves... Yeah, you sort of have a, a gentler thing when Rose gives a voiceover at the end. I want to read the whole bit, if if you don't mind. No, I don't mind. Do some acting. Come on. Uh, oh, I no, know you could. I've never seen. I've never. I've never seen you perform, but I know that you used to. So I, I'm keen. I don't. I don't. No, we're not acting. We're going to read as it is on the page. Um, <laughs> so it's like this. So exterior church day. On Rose, slowly putting a hand to her mouth, shaking. The absolute full moment of grief as never felt before. People are coming out of the church now, looking at the accident from a distance. They include Sonny, many of the others who we've seen taken by the Reapers. Sonny gently stops Sarah from running out. A nice gesture. Hold on, let me see what's going on. Rose sees Jackie coming out of the church, looking puzzled, just starting to question people about what's going on. Rose only has a moment. She bends down to her dad's body and kisses his forehead. Peter Allen Tyler, my dad, the most wonderful man in the world. She looks up and there's the doctor. A good distance behind him stands the TARDIS. She goes to him and takes his hand. The doctor leads her towards the TARDIS. She does not look back. The fuck? (laughs) That's beautiful. That's gorgeous. That's incredible. I mean, she does not look back. She won't look back. Before I bore anyone... With any more about this episode, I think we should just go straight to the nitty gritty, don't you? Yeah, but yeah, we'll get into the we'll get into the nit and the grit. Let's get into the nit and the grit. So, Elliot, darling, sweetheart, baby cakes, and all of the above. We can <laughs> we can do the we can do you, want, do you want to do the do you want to do the best Billy Piper scene? When do you want to do that one? Let's do it now. What for you in a new little segment we've added in this episode for this one episode for this one episode. What was your favourite stand... What was your standout moment of acting for Billy Piper? Because, goddamn, the woman really, really ate the screen. She really came and, and conquered. I think that it is actually her... Probably the whole scene when they go back to the flat. Mm. Her sort of pretending to not notice that the Doctor's actually very angry. Yeah. Or sort of doing other things. And then having the proper argument with him. Mm-hmm. Just everything that she says, like, the I mean, the script is very good with that, but 
you know, that back and forth between the, both of them is amazing. Like, you know, like that's what we were saying that with Enter the World Wide, where, you know, like, Billy's not just a good actor. Like, she plays off Chris really well. And we'll see at that point, Chris is a really well-established actor. Yeah. And the fact that they don't feel, like, out of step with each other. Yeah. Is amazing. Like, everything, everything they say, where she's like, oh, you know, so, you know, you go back and save people all the time, but when I want to do it, it's wrong. Yeah. And he's like, you know. All my fa- all my family and friends died. You know, do you not think I thought about going back and saving them? And it's it's oh, she gives so much during that scene. She does. And she gives. She's giving. She's she, giving very much Oscar worthy. You know. Yeah, it's like she's amazing in all of the scenes in this. But I always feel like she plays. She feeds really well off Chris's energy. She does. And that scene is probably my favorite for that. Yeah. But what about you? What about me? Um. I would say for me, it's when she first saves Pete. Mm. And she's like yeah. just in this utter disbelief. And like she's also excited, but she's nervous and she's scared. But she's playing all of these emotions at once. And it's like, oh my God, you're amazing. Eva's going to kill ya. <laughs> so don't worry, love. I could have sorted it. Yeah, I did see it coming, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, you can. Anyway, um, now we've got that little new mini segment out of the way. Let's go to the actual. Last few questions we have at the end of the episodes, and then we'll go on to the rating. So the plant protein and the potatoes. Yes, yes. Um, so because you're not sponsored by meat on this. <laughs> um, for you, my darling, what was your standout moment? My standout moment of the episode, honestly, really hard to say. Yeah. Because again, I might not personally be like this is my favorite or it affects me, but like I mean every scene is pretty fucking good i would i would say maybe maybe the brass balls on them of getting the doctor eaten which i feel really bad because it's not something that involves pete and or rose but that whole scene surrounding that is just really cool yeah it, it takes so, balls to do that yeah that for me is like that oh wow and it sort of reminds you that it's not mm, the doctor's story exactly no i i get that yeah what was your standout moment my standout moment from the episode is a hard one because, like I said, this is my favourite Doctor Who episode. The episode is a standout moment. The episode is a standout moment, to be honest. But if I had to pick one... Yep, you do. It's the format. I would say, for me, it's the whole interaction at the end right before Pete sacrifices himself. It's absolutely beautifully acted and just brings a tear to my eyes every time. It's the way like she's clinging on to him... It's the way Rose, Pete, and Jackie have a little family hug. Like, oh my god, yeah, it's very sad. Yeah, but it's that's lovely. a standout moment because I feel like that was truly like, this is what the episode's about, you know. What was a moment that didn't work for you? I had I had a potential two. Oh, okay. So I'll say one. If you say a different one, then I might just sort of slip it in just to get your thoughts on it. Okay. But my main one, and this might sound shocking. At first, I'm gonna fra- I'm gonna phrase it in an in an inflammatory way, but I'll explain what I mean. Murray Gold's score. Okay. I really like the music in this. It is not used well. Every scene feels like it ends with the music playing, swelling where it does that really fast paced bit yeah. that you hear in a lot of them, and then it cuts out. As soon as someone starts moving, it like does that, and it's really poorly utilized in the episode. I think it feels like they use it to plug a lot of gaps, and it's a really nice piece of music. But I don't like how it's used. I don't know if I agree. 
But there, for me, there was just too many scenes where they did the exact same motif with the music. Which I get, I get, but I don't know. I think it works, personally. Yeah. I, like, there are some scenes where it works better than others. Yeah. But, like, there's some where it just felt like, like, like they do it for him going up to the pulpit with the key and then, like, it just cuts immediately, and then they're just back, and it's like, you don't, I don't know, like, it just, it feels like, it feels like it's gearing, gearing you up for something to happen, and sometimes something doesn't happen. Maybe there were some more light motifs from it that could have been placed throughout, rather than just using that exact same piece of music over and over again. Yeah, okay, fair, I'll yeah. give you that. But, it's a good piece, so... Yeah. It sounds great on vinyl. Mm, I can imagine. Uh, what was the moment that didn't work for you? This is so easy. This is every time I watch this episode, I'm like, how? How? It's when Rose is past herself, right? They've given Rose her, uh, the baby, which is her. She had a good two or three seconds to be like, no, oh my God, don't give me that child. But she's like... And she knows because the doctor's already said. Yeah, he says, don't touch the baby. Like, he says it like, that's a really bad accent, but... Actually, it was right, I thought. Oh, was it? Okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, it wasn't terrible. But it's the way she's like, I'm not stupid. And he's like, you could have fooled me. Well, obviously, Rose, you are that stupid because you had a good four seconds, three seconds to be like, because no, yeah. I don't, don't give me that chance. Should have gone, Wah! no, paradox, yeah. paradox. And I feel no. like they, and they would have understood because they know that it's all time and stuff. Yeah, she could have gone, oh no, the baby. Yeah. And I get they have to get a reaper in the room somehow, but I feel like they could have done something else. And I don't know what that is. Yeah, I mean, like maybe if it caught her more off guard. Or the doctor just never said it, then it would have made sense, right? Yeah. Like, not don't yeah, touch the baby, like... just like, um, it gave her the baby, and she's like, what's wrong with that? And the doctor's like, no. And then he's like ex- explaining, like, you've created a paradox. Da, 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 da. Boom, yeah. sorted. Yeah. So, the, the, only, so the, the only other one that I was considering, but it's a tiny minor nit because I feel like Rose is very intelligent and, I don't know, there's something about her checking her mobile messages in the car where I was just like, I don't know if she, I don't know if she'd do that. She just, like, ripped a hole in the fabric of, like, 1987 by checking her mobile phone. I was a bit yeah, like, that was uh, a bit weird. I don't know, like, I don't know, because she's usually much smarter than that and I feel like she wouldn't just sit in the car and go, I'm going to check my messages. I'm going to check my messages on my mobile that hasn't been invented. Yeah, I was a bit like, uh, and then the fact that Pete's just like, oh, wow, that's a phone, cool. Yeah, like, I yeah, like, it's weird. It feels a bit weird. It's really for weird. For me. I agree, but, actually. I really you know. agree with that. Right, I want to, can I say my best quote first? Because I, I technically have two answers. I have a joke answer, a jokey one, and then an actual one. Can I read out from the script, verbatim, my jokey one? Yes, of course. You ready? Yeah. I know what you're saying, and we're not going there. At no point are we going anywhere near there. You aren't even aware that there exists. I don't want you to think about there, and believe me, neither do you. There, for you, is like the Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> <laughs> I just love the way she... I love the way Billy delivers that. It's amazing. <laughs> um, but no, my actual my actual one. It probably sounds a bit silly because there's loads of great quotes, but. The past is another country. It is. It's a good line. It's a really good line. Just that bit of it. And with a funny little joke at the end of it. But I, I like that first bit, though. The past is another yeah. country. Yeah, because it's really profound. And then you have the funny little... Yeah. Yeah. Fair. Because it's like, good. it's an ordinary day. She imagined it being in this specific way. And it's not, because it's literally just a day. Yeah, I like that when she's like, oh, yeah. I thought it'd be grey and... Yeah. I mean, he's a bit grey, yeah. but... Yeah, that's because it's London in November. 
Yeah. What's yours? What's your best quote? Mine is, it's a doctor quote, and it is, uh, I think this is verbatim, I've not got a script in front of me, so some of the wording might be slightly wrong, but I was trying to write it down as it was happening. It was, who says you're not important? I've been to all sorts of places and seen things you wouldn't believe, but you two, street corner, 2am, I've never lived like, uh, never lived a life like that. Yes, I will try and save you. Yeah, when he's talking to Sarah and Stuart. That, that moment genuinely almost made me the saddest in the episode. There's something so beautiful about it, but just the way he says that is so Well, lovely. do you know what's really funny? This is a beautiful little segue into my most doctory moment. I actually, I think I've got the quote written down. I wrote it as I was watching it, and it says, Street corner, two in the morning, taxi home. Taxi home. Never had a life like that. Oh, Chris! Our bestie, Chris. And then, yeah, just the way he sort of, yeah, stops and then gives himself a little smile. He's like, yes, I will try and save you. So, so good. Like, just the way he, in the, in the amongst all of the madness of the literal, like, fabric of time being ripped apart, he has time to comfort someone and give them hope. Yeah. So, so doctory. What's your doctory moment? What's your favourite Doctor Who moment? Because Most Doctor Who it, moment. It could, it could be that, because I love the, yeah, even before that, Stuart's like, Mr. Um, he goes, Doctor, it's all right. Yeah. Uh, but for me, actually, it's probably when they first get into the church, and there's no specific line or one, it's just when they first get in there, and Chris's voice really booms around that church. He's yeah. so loud and so in command, yeah. and I love it. When he's like, explaining what they are. Yeah, just talking about what the Reapers are and you need to barricade the doors and lock yourselves in. Like, here's um, the situation. I'm the Doctor. I'm going to tell you what to do because I know what's yeah. going on. And like, everybody believes him because he's so in, so in charge that when he's talking about like ripping holes in reality and time, nobody's like, what? Everybody's like, oh, okay. Exactly. So, and Chris's voice really so it echoes around that church so well. He sounds much louder and deeper than he normally does. Go and check the doors. <laughs> Reminds me of, go to your room. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Which, uh, next week. Next week. Um. Um, so what would you, pal, what would you rate this episode out of five? Because we don't do out of tens here, because that's not it. Out of five, what would you rate this episode? Father's Day, series one. Uh, it is a four. A four. Because Lovely. you know... It is probably objectively, say, probably the one of the best in series one, one of the best the show's ever had. I like it, and I really like it, but I, I don't feel that connection to it that some people feel. You know, a five for me has got to be something that really resonates with me, and yeah, for different reasons. You know, it gets under my skin or makes me feel really sad. And this, I just appreciate as a good episode, but it doesn't make me feel. Tons and tons. It, you know, it aims really high. It, it swings for the fences emotionally, and I don't quite catch the emotion in the same way. Uh, so it is fair. bloody, bloody good. Really well made. Really well acted. But for me, it's a four. Well, I mean, it probably comes as no shock to you or anyone listening that I give this a five out of five. Really easy, oh easiest five out of five I've probably going to ever give on this podcast. I just stop the presses. If if you don't if you don't mind me just going on a little, not rant not a rant no a little tangent, I just think this is honestly one of the best episodes of television I've ever seen for me personally. It it just it's like with the film Ladybird right 
like I said, that I have a tattoo of on my arm. It's not the same story or anything like that. But when there is a specific, for some reason, stories with a specific tie to like a family member really, really, really touch me. And I think it's because these little interactions we have as humans, these specific connections we have to people in our lives, family members, whatever, they're so special. And these moments and those feelings that we have, you know, like she never even met her dad and she has this connection with him and because of all the stories that her mum told her, you know. We've said it it before, we said it with the end of the world, you know, it's, it's the little things. Yeah. It's the really, really little things. It's the being able to go and get chips. Yeah. It's the your dad's bowling trophy. Yeah. Being able just to have a conversation with him. Yeah. And I really miss when Doctor Who was like this, I'll be honest. Me too. It's been a very, very long time. Like, I miss these companion stories. Yeah, because it's not even a a knock against really modern Doctor Who, right? As much as I like Rory's dad... um, in the couple of episodes that he's in, you know, Moffat is not interested in companions, families. No. no. Sorry, um, it's, it's just the, the truth. Yeah, like, he's just not interested. And even, and even though I like Rory and Amy's characters, even their marriage kind of feels like a half-baked afterthought that's just kind of a reason to get them yeah. together in the TARDIS. You See. know, there's nothing wrong with that. He's just not interested in exploring that. And I, I do really miss when the show has a sort of an emotional crux at the heart of it, you know? I know... Classic Doctor Who is not particularly family orientated, but you know what? They do actually do some really interesting things with companions. Um, and it was a lot more pulp and a lot more kitsch. But now that the show has a bit more of a pedigree behind it, there's no reason why we shouldn't be being given room to breathe with these characters. Absolutely. And just everything. It's a masterclass in television, this episode, and I love it very, very much. It's very dear to my heart. And um, basically bring Vitex into the 20... into 2022. <laughs> and with a, a more chirpy demeanour behind me, I will do the close down if you want to, because next week we go from Father's Day to Are You My Mother's Day as we welcome... <laughs> thank you. Uh, as we welcome Doc, Doctor Who's very own Scottish hack fraud writer Stephen Moffat into the universe. Yes. And talk about how you only remember the episode being scary because you watched it once when you were 12. But actually, maybe it's not that good. Oh, let's not spoil all of, them. All of this and more to come as as I'm an empty child and Damla dances. <laughs> how many more of these do you think I can do? <laughs> but yeah, I'd say join us, join us for that discussion next week where so you get to hear my spicy opinions on Stephen Moffat. And also don't forget to follow or subscribe to the podcast. You can listen to us on Apple, Spotify, Acast. Yeah. Uh, yes. And YouTube soon. YouTube soon. And you can send us an email if you have comments, questions, queries, anything you thought about the episode. Even if you want to get a shout out, you can email us at comealongpondpod at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram at Come Along Pond Podcast, or you can follow us on Twitter at Come Along Pond DW because somebody took Come Along Pond Podcast. Don't and we're still bitter. Mm-hmm. If it's you, just stop. Um, yeah. <laughs> if you get the trifecta, if you send us a DM 
and an email on both the social media platforms, then well done. You have nothing better to do with your life. Yeah. <laughs> maybe we'll have some, maybe now with that glowing endorsement, we'll have some more to read out at the start of next week's. Yes. Yes. Hopefully. Uh, hopefully. But in the meantime, it's been lovely chatting to you. And you as always. And incidentally, it's been very nice talking to all of you at home as well. Yes. Uh, which is a, a Dalek master plan reference that nobody's going to keep getting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I give you air from my lungs. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye now. Bye. Bye. See ya. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.